In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. This week, we are trying something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about a young lady named Annalise Michelle. Many of you may have heard of Annalise Michelle. You may even know the story. You may even know that she was the inspiration behind the film The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Now the reason for this story today is as many of you may already know I have joined another podcast um, alongside a friend which is called Bizarre Tales. Now it was called Realm of the Supernatural and we have changed it over now to Bizarre Tales. And this I felt was quite a fitting way to introduce myself to both podcasts and with it being a, a historical event... I thought I would cover this on my history podcast but if this is something that you do not want to listen to or something that doesn't interest you um, viewer discretion or listener discretion is definitely advised in this episode there will be some quite disturbing descriptions of demonic possession or what was seen as demonic possession and I thought it'd be a nice way to introduce myself or introduce the new podcast to you guys who are currently listening. And if this is something that you are interested in, these weird, wonderful tales with a bit of a history twist, then you will probably enjoy Bizarre Tales. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, we shall start with the story of Annalise Michelle. Now, Annalise Michelle was a bright young child, had a very good upbringing, and she was brought up a Catholic in East Germany. Now, it's very interesting to point out that it is East Germany, and that will come into play later in the story. Annalise is described as a martyr by many Catholics, um, and many Catholics still actually visit her graveside to basically pay homage to somebody who died and suffered for the sins of mankind she's also known as a bit of a religious nut 
and will be spoken by a lot of sceptical people as proof or evidence of what happens when religion is just taken just that little bit too far. Annalise was born in 1952 in a town called Klingenberg, which was, like I said, in East Germany in the Bavarian region. It was right in the middle of the Catholic heartland, which means she had a very strict upbringing. Her family was very, very religious, and it was known that in her family at least one child from every generation would do something to do with the church, i.e. go into teaching, um, priesthood, or into the nunnery, that sort of thing. She at a young age desired to teach religion so this was something that she was very very interested in and something that dominated her young childhood the problem with this and the problem with the exorcism and the demonic possession was Germany as a country uh, was and still is very sceptical about the devil uh, recent studies have suggested that around 82% of Germans deny the existence of the devil and there are only three qualified exorcists in Germany. Now if you compare that to France where there are 70, uh, the French exorcists are very open about their job and about their work and in Germany the three who work in Germany are very very secretive so you can see the difference between the two countries both having the ability to to perform these type of um, religious ceremonies but one being very open about it and one being very very secretive about it and not really wanting to push the fact that the devil exists and this is something that is very very important when we look at this story because the existence of the devil is thrown into question um, whereas if this was in a Catholic country such as France or Spain um, at that time it probably would have been seen a lot a lot sooner and, and dealt with a lot quicker um, Annalise besides this was it was a very normal child she had a very good upbringing um, her parents were strict but not uh, not what we would say overly strict or overly harsh they were just uh, just your average run-of-the-mill parents um, and she was known to have enjoyed her life she had a very good childhood um, she wasn't the loudest or most outgoing child but nonetheless had um, a pretty good life um, had friends um, did pretty well in school and she was known to be quite a singer which suggests that she was quite a bubbly child who had you know a an outgoing personality even if it was tendered towards the shy side despite all this she was not a very well child and um, before the age of five she was diagnosed with measles mumps and scarlet fever and was told to spend a year at home to recover so she was a year behind all the other students in her class on the 16th of September 1968 she passed out at school. She woke up the next day paralyzed in her bed with a swollen tongue and had urinated. Although the symptoms of this soon passed she was however pretty well scarred for life. 
Now, she went about a year without anything really worrying her. And in August 1969, she blacked out again and was paralysed later in the day. This basically gave her mum a no-win situation where she had to take her to the doctor's. And on the 27th of August 1969, she had an EEG at the doctor's, which basically came back to show that her brain and her brain activity was normal. Although her brain was normal, she was diagnosed with mild seizures and a mild form of epilepsy. But with it being such a mild form, there was no need to prescribe any medication. Later in that year, she had her tonsils removed, and she also caught tuberculosis. Now, I'm sure we're getting a picture here of a girl who is not very healthy. And the following year, on the 28th of February, 1970, she was sent to a clinic in Mittelberg in Germany, where she was diagnosed with heart and lung problems. Later that year, in June 1970, she had her third episode of passing out and paralysis. This spiked a new, med- uh, a new physician to have a look at her, and she was given another EEG. This EEG showed irregular alpha waves and scattered delta and theta waves. She was now prescribed her medication for epilepsy and seizures, although... This was about two years too late. During her stay at the Mittelberg Clinic, this is where she first reported seeing demonic faces and having that psychosis that she was known for. And she didn't actually mention this until 1973 when she saw her physician, Dr. Lucy. And she spoke about these demonic faces and when she saw them, she got a smell of burning shit um, that she could smell as well as seeing, seeing these faces. So this was something that was becoming more and more and more prevalent in her life. Unfortunately, this was just diagnosed as psychosis. There was no diagnose, diagnosis for demonic possession. They just put it down to something that could be treated medically. Now, although this, I'm sure you can imagine, would take up a huge part of someone's life, she did, however, manage to have a quite normal life for a young woman. And she actually managed to maintain a relationship with her boyfriend, Peter. And they even had talks about getting married one day and having a family of themselves. So, in between the psychotic episodes she was just a normal human being in March 1973 she suffered from regular night terrors and was woken up by the sound of knocking that nobody else in her house could hear she went to see a doctor who tested her hearing to find out that her hearing was absolutely fine but with this the images of the demons became more and more frequent and her health got worse and worse, and she couldn't walk properly. She'd almost bed-bound and lost control of most of her, what we would say, normal movements. She began to suffer with depression, and she was actually quoted by saying to Father Renz a few years later, 
one of the the doctors about this sorry one of the reverends about this experience saying it is a terror which goes through all my limbs and settles there it is a dread that makes you think you are right there in the middle of hell you are totally and utterly deserted there is evidence from her family that suggests that one evening her hands swelled to twice their size and she screamed I have black hands my saviour forgive me she could see faces with seven crowns and seven horns on the wall it was becoming more and more likely that she was becoming demonically possessed and the fact that the medication wasn't working also contributed to this another father father ernst alt believed that she was demonically possessed even though she was baptized at the time it was believed that anybody who had been baptized could not be possessed by the devil she was gaining an intolerance to religious objects such as crucifixes and holy water and her mother even stated that once she stood in front of a statue of the Virgin Mary with completely black eyes in 1975 she suffered a emotional trauma her grandmother who she was very very close to died and her sister moved away to better her career she couldn't cope with changes she was not good at changes like this and this basically made her a lot worse than what she was now her first meeting with father Arnold Renz was in 1975 and the first time he visited her he was astonished by the fact that she would be repeatedly thrown to the ground and as she got back up she got onto her knees and recited the Hail Mary prayer and this happened again and again and again this happened to her so much that Annalise decided to sleep on the floor before an exorcism can be started it has to go through a court proceedings now in this instance it went through the courts and the courts decided that it was acceptable for the priests to attempt an exorcism now you might find this seems a bit strange because from the evidence that we've got it could quite clearly be psychosis and epilepsy <clears throat> what you've got to remember is what this was the 1970s and the MRI machine was not invented until 1977 meaning there was no way of getting a full brain scan of Annalise's brain and 20% of epileptics are resistant to the medication that she was on therefore it is possible that she was just resistant to the medication however this was not known at the time and a first preliminary exorcism was granted when father Alton Renz sat down with Annalise for the preliminary exorcism what they were trying to determine was whether there was actually a demon inside of her or whether this was just psychosis when they sat down the first thing they said was who are you and depart with this 
Annalise instantly grabbed her own throat and snapped the rosary beads that were around her neck. Now this might not seem much to the normal person. However, to the Catholic Church, a rosary bead is a sacred symbol and also a very religious symbol. With it being so religious, it's said that only the most powerful demons are able to break religious symbols such as rosary beads and crucifixes, which gave the priests a very, very big shock, not something that they were expecting. With this, they wrote to the bishop who granted the rights for an exorcism. Because it was such a shock to the Catholic Church that something like this could happen, it was almost instantaneous that the rites were given. And the Catholic priests initiated a full exorcism on Annalise Michel. And on Sunday the 3rd of August 1975, Annalise had her first exorcism. Almost as soon as the priest started talking to Annalise to find out which demons were inside, there was an immediate reaction. The demons spoke with very deep voices, and it was very unusual for so fast in an exorcism for demons to reveal themselves. This is not something that anybody expected. They expected it would take quite a long time. Because of this, the priests performing the exorcism decided to record all of the details. And if it wasn't for Annalise herself who actually wanted these recordings to be made public, we probably would never have heard them. However, these were recorded on tape. Some of that you can hear the priests talking in the background and obviously this is in German but you can obviously understand now that a 20 year old female does not make that type of noise when they're uh, when they're spoken to allegedly there were six demons that um, presented themselves in this case they were Judas, Cain, Nero, Hitler, Fleischmann, who was a 16th century monk, and the devil himself, Lucifer. Thank you. 
deutlich. Im Namen Jesu und im Namen Maria. Im Namen des Vaters und des Sohnes und des Heiligen Geistes. Ja, ich bin auch hier. Hitler! You can hear in that there are obviously parts where the priests are are praying um what they're actually asking is who is there um obviously the the word nero you heard um and cain and then obviously at the end where she's saying that she's hitler that hitler's there and you might think obviously this is completely false or faked or or, or whatever you know everyone's got their own personal opinions um but what's interesting to note with hitler in particular is the accent that he spoke in now every time hitler came prominent in the exorcism he would announce himself with sieg heil um, which is obviously the old german for hail hitler um, and he'd also speak with an austrian accent now obviously for those of you who are clued up on your history will know that uh, hitler was austrian not german so he had a slightly different accent to the rest of the demons and, and also a different accent to Annalise herself so it's strange that she would have been able to pick up on that if it was fake it's been suggested that the choice of said demons in this case were potentially not the actual demons themselves um, but had taken on personalities such as Hitler and Fleischmann um, to basically to install fear into those performing the exorcism obviously you're talking 1970s um, Hitler was still very prominent in many Germans minds um, and Fleischmann for anybody who is part of the Catholic faith would be well aware of um, of the monk Fleischmann so it's very interesting to think that potentially those names were used by another demon um, just purely to spike fear into into those performing the exorcism in between the exorcisms Annalise performed many many things that she would not have been able to do or would not have thought of doing um, had she not been under some form of psychosis or in this case um, demonic possession she would um she would basically she would attack her family with unbelievable strength for someone who's supposed to be very ill she would um drink her own urine and there's even cases uh, or evidence from her from her parents who have suggested that um she would even eat spiders or grab hold of of live animals such as birds um and bite the heads off them um, obviously this is something that a normal person doesn't do she would eat an an unbelievable amount of food um, and drink more than what a normal human being would do is it's uh, said that in one sitting she drank um, a gallon of apple juice in one go um, and the amount she actually ate and drank um, was strange considering she always looked malnourished and undersized she would also be thrown around the room quite regularly um, thrown from one wall to another constantly covered in cuts and bruises and would openly mock the priests who were there 
And she openly mocked them, saying that she could see the demons dancing around the priests um, that were actually mocking them, mocking the priests themselves. For someone who had a history of health problems, it's almost impossible to imagine that she would be able to attack family members and to be able to throw her herself around a room um, in such a way, considering you know what all the the problems she actually had with her it it throws into question a lot of things she was in constant pain more pain than than you could care to imagine um and the priest actually recorded her um sort of howling and and crying in pain um and it this is quite a disturbing recording not a normal amount of pain it's not something that you can attribute to anything the noises that she's making in that clip you wouldn't link that to any type of physical pain that you might endure now you might think this was a constant problem for Annalise but but it wasn't she had many periods of uh, normal calm life where she carried on like a normal human being obviously there were the underlying issues um the physical and mental well-being um but again she she planned her life um after the whatever was haunting her had had disappeared she planned with her partner peter um like i said earlier to to get married to have a family um, to move on and and they still did things like a, a couple would do um they went on walks and things like that there's um one uh, one example of uh, she went for a walk with peter um through a woods and halfway through the walk uh, peter you know sort of turned around and annalise had walked off um he called after her and she was in a trance what he he described as a trance and she carried on walking and walking um when she was spoken to about about it she she said that she was walking alongside the virgin mary she claims that during this walk with the virgin mary um the mary spoke to her and uh, said that she was upset that so many people were going to hell and that somebody needed to do penance for all the souls that were going to hell and would Annalise do penance for the rest of mankind she was given three days to make her decision as to whether she would whether she would accept the Virgin Mary's offer or decline the Virgin Mary's offer um, apparently Mary was to return on the 31st of October to expel the demons from her body for forever had they uh, had she accepted uh, or declined the offer so had she declined the offer the Virgin Mary was going to expel the demons for good when she got home if she found out that she felt a lot better 
um, she was a lot happier um, and it seemed as though the Virgin Mary had removed the demons for at least the three days that she had to consider the offer obviously her family did not want her to take this offer um, didn't want her to martyr herself or to be a, a vassal for humankind they wanted her to just go back to being herself going back to being normal um, unfortunately Annalise decided that she would do penance for all of mankind um, and was willing to allow the demons back into her body during this three-day period the priests returned to perform another exorcism and they managed to find the demons were very very passive on these three days and used their opportunity to expel them for good they started a prayer for the Virgin Mary and they recorded the reaction from Annalise when they were praying to the Virgin Mary uh, and again this is quite a disturbing clip You can hear her shout in that clip. What she's actually shouting is, She is coming, i.e. the Virgin Mary is coming. Um, after this particular incident, she woke up and, in her normal voice, said that she was free. Completely free. And it was wonderful that she was completely free. Obviously, this is during the exorcism and, and just after the relief that she fear, felt um, obviously was was completely wonderful and something that she hadn't felt free of for a very very long time however this was very short lived um, only lasted around 15 minutes before the uh, closing prayers were started and the demons returned when the demons were asked why they were back they replied we want to leave but we can't The demons then complained on a daily basis that they were trapped, they were stuck and they couldn't get out and they weren't happy because they didn't want to be there. The exorcism had been done, they wanted to leave but because Annalise 
decided to accept the Virgin Mary's offer, uh, they weren't allowed to leave her body. Um, on the 30th of May 1976, uh, one of the fathers, Father Alt, approached a man named Dr. Roth. Um, they asked Dr. Roth to prescribe some medication just to ease the pain for Annalise because she was in excruciating amount of pain. Um, he replied that he could not prescribe anything to her because he didn't know what could happen when you were prescribing drugs to somebody who was possessed as there is no injection against the devil. The following month, unfortunately, Annalise passed away um, she passed away from malnourishment um, and dehydration, um, which is contrary to the fact that both the priests and the family were constantly feeding her and, and giving her uh, liquid, water, juice, wh whatever she wanted. Um, you know, this was something that was very strange to happen to somebody who was well looked after or as best looked after as they could be um, but still suffered from malnutrition um, she'd actually endured 67 exorcisms uh, by the time she'd passed away some of these sessions were over three and a half hours long um, and 42 of all of these sessions were recorded on tape like I said the autopsy showed that she was starving um, she had broken knees um, other broken bones cuts and bruises all over her body um, and the, they took this as a negligent homicide so the two priests and the parents were actually put on trial for negligent homicide for Annalise in 1978 all four were found guilty of negligent uh, homicide. They were all given a suspended six-month prison sentence and three years probation. Now, although that might not seem like much of a sentence for negligent homicide, the case was riddled with errors. There were imperfections in the prosecution statements. Uh, the chronological order of the timeline that the prosecution used was not not acceptable there were many many errors from the prosecution that were given a lot more credence than possibly should have been and the defense was sort of swept under the carpet even though the exorcism tapes were produced as evidence these were almost given no credence whatsoever and the e they did um, a brain scan after which showed that epilepsy or damage to her brain from epilepsy was was minimal on a microscopic level in other words it can't have been epilepsy that caused her to be the way that she was this was all pretty much ignored now it is important to remember that she lived in East Germany. Um, East Germany, for those of you who are clued up, will know was under the Communist Party rule. Um, and therefore, 
communism as a general rule tends to ignore religion it's it's much more based on atheism and religious experiences like this were pretty much frowned upon they didn't really believe in it and the government is you know is potentially here quite corrupt in the sense that they they probably didn't want to advertise the fact that somebody had such a massive religious experience um, and it was right under their nose so the fact that they you know um obviously managed to try all these people and and actually get a guilty conviction it is potential that they did this purely on the basis that they didn't want to get the religion side of things backed up again in east germany they wanted to keep it as atheist and communist obviously we have to say suggest rather than definite um but i i'm sure you guys can work out for yourself whether the state was corrupt enough to sweep religion under the carpet because it fitted their agenda um what is important to remember about this case is like i said right at the start many people will know of the exorcism of emily rose the film um quite a creepy film very very intense um it's a film that will will scare you you know if you're not uh you're into your horror films you'll you'll probably enjoy it if you're not i probably would give this a wide berth because it is it is quite a scary film but it is based on annalise michelle and her experiences it's important to remember that the family had nothing to do with the film um, and her mother even mentioned that when the film came out um, she wasn't even consulted or asked about it they just ignored the fact that the family existed she didn't know about the film she doesn't want to watch the film it's uh, something that she you know she didn't want to relive which let's be honest who can blame her um yeah quite a quite a disturbing story i think quite a creepy story something a little bit different and something that might get you guys you know if you don't like this type of story let me know um and don't come and join us on bizarre tales but if you do like this type of story then you will find many more like this over there but this will probably be the only one i do on this history show on the on the this week in history purely on the basis that it's not really the type of history that i want to cover but it is historical it is part of modern culture now and it is something that i do think is interesting and i do hope you guys did enjoy this episode um yeah i can't really say much more than that uh you know we're still running this show every week we're still running patreon we're still running everything this week in history is not going anywhere it's just an extra one for me to record every now and again uh with lee so i hope you did enjoy this episode let me know drop me some feedback on this one because like i said this is a different type of episode to what i normally do let me know what you think
Um, you know my my details. This week in history on Facebook, twihpod at gmail dot com, or you can get hold of me through uh, through Patreon if you're on there. For those of you who aren't on there, Patreon dot com forward slash This Week in History. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, we all have history. Make yours great. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm; you're keeping it cool too, with an ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Welcome to America. The land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep, in store or online at mattressfirm.com today. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why Geico makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with Geico Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Bye-bye. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm. You're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.